People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is brought to you by FoundItemClothing.com. Check out their Cthulhu slippers and cool cult film t-shirts. Edited and produced by D.B. Spitzer. Featuring Sarah Fee and D.B. Spitzer. Music by Kevin McLeod. PGTTCM is part of the Dark Mists Network. Check out all the cool podcasts that we like at darkmyths.org subscribe where you subscribe like where you like rate where you rate we recommend podbean.com and apple podcasts as well find pgttcm on social media at pgttcm and on youtube at people's guide to the cthulhu mythos if you want to donate go to the patron button on pgttcm.podbean.com or paypal.me slash pgttcm all donations receive an on-air congratulations shop at pgttcm.threadless.com or pgttcm.com at the shop pgttcm is an exploration of the cthulhu mythos weird fiction the gothic literary tradition classic sci-fi fantasy and horror thank you on with the show 808 cthulhu the thing cannot be described. There's no language for such abysms of shrieking and immemorial lunacy, such eldritch contradictions of all matter, force, and cosmic order. A mountain walked or stumbled. Hey, wow, we're back after <laughs> another break. We keep I talking know. about how the breaks are going to get shorter, but... Well, I mean, yeah. Hey, every other podcast is on break right now and <laughs> doing their best ofs and their... Right. Right. This is and like that's showing a podcast from another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing the thing you have to remember is uh, it's the holidays and that's just a it's just a crowded time anyway. Yeah. So uh, holidays are over. It's the new year. It's 2019. That's right. So, yeah, we're going (laughs) to get back into season eight. Yeah. Gonna keep on telling you about the Cthulhu mythos, mm-hmm. and just keep on trucking in general. Indeed. And making coffee sound effects. Oh yeah. <sighs> double double sound effects there. <laughs> can I can I tell you about something that's completely off topic? Oh totally totally. Okay. So I was at Fred Meyer's. Or we we, we local... are recording still. Okay. Remote. Okay. Well yeah, this is banter. Okay okay okay. I was at a local grocery store recently. Oh, you mean Fred Myers? I was at Fred Myers, <laughs> yes. And um, they had tiny little pineapples. Tiny pineapples. Yeah, which they were selling as baby pineapples. Hmm. And apparently what my mom and other people who have gone to Hawaii have told me, I've yeah. not been, but you have, so maybe yeah. you can confirm this. Sure. But the smaller the pineapple, the sweeter the fruit. That sounds racist. <laughs> Uh, it's a different variety. I think you mean sizest. It's, it's a different variety. <laughs> well, what I've what I've heard is that like those are two different types of pineapple. You have oh. the uh, big old giant giant uh, pineapple pineapple and this little baby guy. 
told is that like the first or maybe the older pineapples that come off of a pineapple tree yeah. are are these tiny ones, and that apparently they used to just keep them all for Hawaiians, but now pineapples are mostly grown in the Philippines, which is like yeah. I'm like, is that true? Because that doesn't feel true to me. That feels true. How many pineapples there are out there? How many yeah. people who want pineapples? There yeah. isn't just going to be one island in the Pacific that grows pineapple. Point. Or seven, and, seven uh, islands. But anyway, go yes. ahead. And they're not going to just grow one variety of pineapple. That's also true. Uh, because one, that's just not good for local uh, flora. And more and more people are interested in finding other things. I was at another grocery store uh-huh. yesterday and I found something called finger limes. Which are apparently a citrus that's native to Australia. Yeah. And they look like, uh, well. Apparently someone's oblong. never worked in a high-end that's natural correct. food store. I have store. not. I have not done that. You know about finger limes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're all yeah. like, whatever, finger limes are old Duh. Pads. Next thing you're going to be like is like, I've never had owl hawk meat. Well, I haven't. <laughs> I, neither have I. I don't know what an owl hawk is. <laughs> I don't think it exists. <laughs> but, um, but I, I mean, I do know about like the Buddha hand citrus, yeah, citron, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I'm not... I, I'm not an uninformed fruit eater, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I know I, I have eaten pomelo and, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of lots of variety out there. I mean, I know one of the reasons banana has gotten so very different over the ages recently is because they're worried about the extinction of the banana. Huh. You not heard this? Um, no, no, I'm more worried about the extinction of humanity due oh. to Cthulhu. Right. Well, let's talk about that then. <laughs> I mean. Hey, we're in banter. We're talking about the holidays. <laughs> That's what I was trying to talk about. Right. The end of the holidays, 2019. I almost said 2012. 2019 and all Shut that jazz. Hands. I wish it was 2012 again. Man, an era of hope and rebirth. 2012 for me, I had a one-year-old. Yeah? Yeah. It was... It was mostly really fun. Yeah. Yeah. One-year-olds are sweet. Well, let's out politically yes. and emotionally yes. and physically yes. that 2019 is better than 2012. Let's let's clink glasses. Clink. Tink. tink. And, uh, yeah, better than 2012. And then also better than 2018. Yeah, no. It's a much lower benchmark. Well... Okay, so I have to say, yeah. like, without getting into personal stuff too much, 2018 uh-huh. was a pretty damn good year for me. Well, and it sounds like there's some really lovely stuff in it for me as well. Yeah, and it yeah. sounds like everyone else out there, 2018 sucked really bad, <laughs> and politically for a lot of us, 2018 uh, sucked in general. Yeah, well, I mean, no, I mean, well, there was also the the blue wave over the midterm. Sure, yeah, that's, no. that's exciting. Yeah, for well, sure. that I sucked mean, for some no, people. Nobody's <laughs> nobody's going to be surprised that I am pro inclusion and uh, like that, uh-huh. and you know, like examining and then letting go of racism. Sure, that's that's something that I am pro. Yeah, no, so, and sexism. Yeah, no, and I think it is important to talk about these things, and people, I don't know, they can say what they want about us, they can complain what they want about us, but uh, racism, misogyny, it's part of the Cthulhu mythos, folks. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, when you have a founder that's so egregiously 
participates in and uh, spreads those ideas yeah. in himself and in other people. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be clear: when somebody talks about that stuff with other people, yeah. they're just reinforcing it in themselves and trying to normalize it for others. Right. Yeah. And and if you if you if if we ever want to let go of these old ideas, yeah. then we need to do a lot of self-examination. Sure. Back to the reading portion. Back to the reading portion. This isn't a reading episode. This is a full-on episode. <laughs> I know, I know. But this is the part where I read instead of just, you know, talk um, off the cuff about whatever. Ooh, I didn't know we were ending banter, but okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Do go on then. Nope, I don't have anything. I just, you know, <laughs> wanted to end with Clark Ashton Smith, not a creep. All right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you well, watched that documentary. I did, and we talked about it, and it was still good. Yeah. I still would love to see it again. Yeah. No, there was, I felt I'm like there pick was up a copy of that. I feel you, like there's a lot I didn't get in the first viewing. Yeah, and you know what I've really gotten out of it besides a love for Clark Ashton Smith huh. and admiring my friends who were in that uh, particular <laughs> that was so cool movie. Yeah, no, that, that was, was a little that was really track. cool. <laughs> but uh, Skinner, the artist out of. Uh, the, the, the artist Skinner, who was in that documentary, uh-huh. who does like the brightly colored uh, monsters and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's really cool. And uh-huh. if you get a chance to go on Instagram, I highly recommend that all my listeners go check out The Art of Skinner. Ooh. It's really cool stuff. How does he spell his name? Uh, like he is someone who takes the skin off of something else. So he's skinning. So he's a skinner. Skinner. Yeah. S-K-I-N-N-E-R. Yeah. Not, okay. not, not like some kind of or Southern like... band that, you know, <laughs> crashes planes or anything like that. Or like a lot of people nowadays when they can't find the right don't, don't main name or name on social media, they like take the vowels out. Yeah. Or yeah. put XX, whatever right. the name is. Right. XX. Well, and like Skinner has an X sound in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What if it had been S-X-N-N-E-R? Yeah. And, you know, and if it doesn't work, try another combination of letters. There you go. All right. (laughs) Now back to the show. All right. If I say that my somewhat extravagant imagination yielded simultaneous pictures of an octopus, a dragon, and a human creature, I shall not be unfaithful to the spirit of the thing, a pulpy, tentacled head surmounted a grotesque and scaly body with rudimentary rings, but it was the general outline of the whole which made it most shockingly frightful. H.P. Lovecraft, ever hear the guy, the call of Episode 808, Cthulhu. Cthulhu is a fictional cosmic entity by writer H.P. Lovecraft and first introduced in the story The Call of Cthulhu, published in the American pulp magazine Weird Tales in 1928. Considered a great old one within the pantheon of Lovecraftian cosmic entities, the creature has since been featured in numerous popular culture references. Lovecraft depicts Cthulhu as a gigantic entity worshipped by cultists. Cthulhu's appearance is described as looking like an octopus, a dragon, and a caricature of human form. Its name was given to the Lovecraft-inspired universe where it and its fellow entities existed, the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> Dan Harm writes, if you haven't checked it out, check out Dan Harm's Cthulhu Encyclopedia, or as the second edition was called, Encyclopedia Cthuliana. Dan Harm writes, records of Cthulhu's origins are fragmentary, 
but it seems that he originated from the world of Vuhur in the 23rd Nebula. He later traveled to the green double star of Zoth, where he mated with a creature named Idhya to produce the great old ones Gathanathoa, Yathartha, and Thoth Omog. From here, Cthulhu, his children, and a species known as the Star Spawn flew to Saturn, descending to Earth from there. Upon their arrival, Cthulhu and his retinue took up residence on a continent in the Pacific Ocean, on which they built the great stone city of Relye. At first, Cthulhu's spawn encountered resistance from the Elder Things, who had dwelt on the Earth for millions of years before Cthulhu's coming. Following a war in which Cthulhu's spawn destroyed all of the Elder Things' land. The location of Relye, given by Lovecraft, was... 47 degrees 9 hours south by 126 degrees 43 hours west in the southern Pacific Ocean. And if I said that wrong, please write in and let me know how to say that properly. Mm-hmm. August Derleth placed it at 49 degrees 51 hours south by 128 degrees 34 hours west. Both locations are close to the Pacific Pole of Inaccessibility, or Nemo Point, a point in the ocean furthest from any landmass. Ralier is a fictional lost city that first appeared in The Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft, which we mentioned was in Wizard Tales, June 1928. Oh, I'm sorry, Weird Tales, not Wizard Tales. This episode is getting silly. Mm Mm-hmm. The nightmare corpse city of Rallier was built in mere measureless eons behind history by vast, loathsome shapes that seeped down from the dark stars. There lay great Cthulhu and his hordes, hidden in green, slimy vaults. Ooh, but they say it's measureless, yet we have a pretty good idea if we look at how everything goes. Well, I mean... Possibly, but maybe it's measureless because there's actually like a folded cosmos in there. Okay, gotcha. I mean, now we're getting science fictiony, but he does yeah. come from the stars. Certainly. So, anyway. Anyway. Measureless time, Daniel. Yeah. So, with the you know with with Cthulhu and Azathoth and all that, H.P. Lovecraft also had a kind of philosophical literary tradition that we're going to hop into right now, cosmicism. Mm. And then later we're going to talk about some, uh, I'm going to review something, but this is not the review section. This is just a continuation of Cthulhu, but we just want to go more into cosmicism, which is, as I said, a literary philosophy developed and used by H.P. Lovecraft for weird fiction. Lovecraft was a writer of philosophically intense horror stories that involved occult phenomena like astral possession and alien-human hybridization. And the themes of his fiction over time contributed to the development of this philosophy. The philosophy of cosmicism states that there is no recognizable divine presence, such as a god in the universe, and that humans are particularly insignificant in the larger schema 
of intergalactic existence and perhaps are just a small species projecting their own mental idolatries onto the vast cosmos. Also, this suggests that the majority of undiscerning humanity are creatures with the relative significance of insects and plants when compared to the universe. The most prominent theme in cosmicism is the insignificance of humanity. Cosmicism shares many characteristics of nihilism, though one important difference is that cosmicism tends to emphasize the insignificance of humanity and its doings, rather than summarily rejecting the possible existence of some higher purpose or purposes. For example, in The Call of Cthulhu, it is not the absence of meaning that causes terror for the protagonists, as it is their discovery that they have absolutely no power to change anything in the vast and different universe that surrounds them. In Lovecraft's stories, whatever meaning or purpose may be invested in the actions of the cosmic beings is completely inaccessible to human characters. Lovecraft's cosmicism was a result of his feeling of humanity's existential helplessness in the face of what he called the infinite spaces, opened up by scientific thought and his belief that humanity was fundamentally at the mercy of the vastness and emptiness of the cosmos. In his fictional works, these ideas are often explored humorously. Herbert West Reanimator, 1922, through fantastic dreamlike narratives, The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, 1927, and through his well-known Cthulhu mythos, The Call of Cthulhu, 1928, and others. Common themes related to cosmicism in Lovecraft's fiction are the insignificance of humanity in the universe and the search for knowledge ending in disaster. Though cosmicism appears deeply pessimistic, H.P. Lovecraft thought of himself neither as a pessimist nor as an optimist, but rather as a scientific or mm, scientific or cosmic indifferent. Indifferentist. Indifferentist. Because he likes to make up words. Mm -hmm. A theme expressed in his fiction. In Lovecraft's work, human beings are often subject to powerful beings and other cosmic forces. So, mm, but these forces are not so much malevolent as they are indifferent towards humanity. This difference is an important theme in cosmicism. Lovecraft thus embraced a philosophy of cosmic indifferentism. He believed in a meaningless, mechanical, and uncaring universe that human beings with their naturally limited facilities could never fully understand. His viewpoint made no allowance for religious beliefs, which could not be supported scientifically. The incomprehensible cosmic forces of his tales have as little regard for humanity as humans have for insects. Though personally irreligious, Lovecraft used various gods in his stories, particularly the Cthulhu-related tales, to expound cosmicism. However, Lovecraft never conceived of them as supernatural, uh, but extra... Bleh but extraterrestrials who understand and obey a set of natural laws, which to humans' understanding seems magical. These beings, the great old ones, outer gods, and others, though dangerous to humankind, are portrayed as neither good nor evil. And human notions of morality have no significance to these beings. Indeed, they exist in cosmic realms beyond human understanding. 
as a symbol. This is representative of the kind of universe that Lovecraft believed in. Though some of these beings have, and in same, some cases create, cults to honor them, to the vast majority of these beings, the human race is so insignificant that they aren't given any consideration whatsoever. Return of the Obradin is a puzzle video game developed and published by 3909 LLC, a Japanese-based studio led by American designer Lucas Pope. It was Pope's second commercial game following 2013's Papers, Please, and was released on October 18, 2018. Return of the Obradin is set aboard a fictional East India Company ghost ship whose crews and passengers have mysteriously died or disappeared, with the game's objective being to discover how. The player, as an agent of the shipping company addressing what happened, uses a combination of deductive reasoning and the use of a memento mortem stopwatch to return to the moment of a crew member's death and determine the identity of each of the 60 crew members, how and when they died, and if killed by human hands, the name of their killer. The game played from the first-person view uses a one-bit uh, monochromatic graphic style inspired by early Macintosh systems. I have played and beaten Return of the Obra Dinn. It took me about 10 hours. It is a wonderful, wonderful nautical puzzle game. As I may have mentioned, it takes place on an East India Company ship, ghost ship to be specific. I believe the ship was supposed to have left harbor in like 1801 and returned in like 1808. And yeah, it's it's really cool. And there's audio clips that you use to discern clues from and memories that you can walk around in. And it, it gets pretty interesting. There's Oh, goodness. Like, I want to say, like, somewhere around nine or ten chapters that you go through, and each chapter has subdivisions, and you explore the whole ship and find bodies and piece together what's going on, and you find out who people are from other parts of the story. And there, there's, there's like, one topman who you can't, or one seaman, or one, I, I can't remember the uh, uh, crew member's position on the vessel, but that is, like, one of the last people alive on the ship and they appear in weird spots throughout, like they're this skulking individual. And there's other people, it's like, oh, who's this person, and who are they, and uh, how did this, some, some people, I, like towards the end, I just ended up like trying to guess, and then like figured out through like just uh, chance, like, okay, well, if this person's this, then that person's that, just deductive reasoning. And uh, okay, if this person's here and I know this person died then, and then just, just kind of like figuring out who killed who and how people met their death. And I'll, I, I, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but there is a reason why I am talking about this on People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. There is some things that happen uh, that are very kind of under the sea, uh, special kind of like... Uh, human, sea, people, hybrid kind of stuff, uh, lobstrosities and things like that. So, yeah, kraken type stuff. So, uh, magic shell kind of things in boxes. It's, it's crazy weird stuff. 
and just trying to figure out who everyone is and what the greater story is and why this person disappears at this point in time and and you have to like really look there was one guy that i couldn't figure out where he went and then i realized at one point in time when someone's getting blasted with a cannon and someone else is something bad this guy ends up like slipping out a porthole or being pulled out of a porthole by a uh a large tentacle spoilers over all right Return of the Oberdin. I really, really enjoy this game. It feels like the illustration style does feel like the old Macintosh games, but it also really reminds me of, like, say, old illustrations for role-playing games with the pointless style. But yeah, Return of the Oberdin, available currently on PC and uh, Mac. So check it out, single-player game. Had a lot of fun, and I believe I paid about 20 bucks for it. It was a definitely worth that on steam all right back to the show yeah i don't know i feel out of place i feel i, I feel i feel unpracticed well i mean <laughs> we haven't been doing this as much as we used to it's not a weekly thing anymore even no no but i i feel like i, I don't <laughs> have like thing. stuffed stuff stuff all like ready to go in my head for what we're gonna banter about yeah what i'm gonna yeah. complain about yeah i mean one of the things i wanted to talk about is the insignificance of humans in the universe that mm -hmm. you know is part of the cosmicism like that was extremely accurate <laughs> so you know like one one person isn't gonna make a huge difference in, on a cosmic level no at the same time like one person makes a huge difference in the lives of other people every single minute of every single day sure you know and therefore i believe we should just be more kind to each other all right more caring Let's let's leave on that note. That's let's let's idea. be kinder to each other. Let's be more caring. Yeah. Let's not give a shit about whether or not H.P. Lovecraft created the Cthulhu mythos or what August Erleth did or hell, what your neighbor's up to. Who cares? That's right. Just enjoy your toasty feet. Yeah. And, and enjoy your indoors. Enjoy your holiday mm -hmm. being over. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy getting back to a new uh, getting back to your same schedule or, you know, like uh, committing yourself to it. I mean, lots of people do New Year's resolutions. Oh, yeah. Do you, have, do, 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 you have the, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I generally do New Year's resolutions when my personal year starts, which is on my birthday. Oh. Yes, because that is a new year for me. Well, okay. I don't <laughs> feel like waiting till April. April. Yeah. So... What is your current New Year's resolution that you're uh, working on? Man, just trying to be more responsible in general. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, not putting off till tomorrow what I can do today. Procrastination is just my whole everything. Well, yeah, I know. I want to change that. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> so uh, my, new, my New Year's resolution is a little different than yours. Oh, yeah? What is it? It's a lot different than yours. I, my New Year's, New Year's resolution kind of goes back to, I think it's, it's, it's a New Year's resolution that I've, I've kept for since a number of years there, and then I had to like take it off the table after my head injury and everything. But now that my brain's doing good again, I have to say, my New Year's resolution is not only to be good, but to fucking destroy people. <laughs> I don't have to be just good at podcasting about the Cthulhu mythos. You have to be the best. I have to fucking bury everyone else. Okay. What was this thing about being kind we just talked about? Oh, that's... that's Are you going to destroy people at being kind, too? I'm going to destroy people <laughs> at being kind. I'm going to make them look like fucking assholes about being kind. 
Oh yeah, you think you're kind? I'll oh, fucking show, show you, you the high road, motherfucker. <laughs> and that's why there's an E in front of this show. We don't swear that often, but when no, we do, it's a big one. Fuck. Ones. It is a lot of fucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna say something. That, then I'm going to have to delete. <laughs> I was like, I can't even say that. I have a hard one. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The People's Guide to the Thule Mythos. We're glad to be back. And... Again. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen next time, which yes. will will be sooner than later. Because I don't know about you, but I think... Uh, I think I know some people who are going to record another episode right after this. Right after this one? I, 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 you know, I hate to well, listen. kill the podcast magic. Stay squiggly. And keep it weird. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is brought to you by founditemclothing.com. Check out their Cthulhu slippers and cool cult film t-shirts. Edited and produced by D.B. Spitzer. Featuring Sarah Fee and D.B. Spitzer. Music by Kevin McLeod. PGTTCM is part of the Dark Myths Network. Check out all the cool podcasts that we like at darkmyths.org. Subscribe where you subscribe. Like where you like. Rate where you rate. We recommend podbean.com and Apple Podcasts as well. Find PGTTCM on social media at PGTTCM and on YouTube at People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. If you want to donate, go to the patron button on PGTTCM.podbean.com or paypal.me slash PGTTCM. All donations receive an on-air congratulations. Shop at pgttcm.threadless.com or pgttcm.com at the shop. PGTTCM is an exploration of the Cthulhu mythos, weird fiction, the gothic literary tradition, classic sci-fi fantasy, and horror. Thank you. On with the show.